Welcome to The Art of Marketing, a podcast webinar series to help you connect with your customers. We talk with marketing directors, executives, and business owners to learn more about their approach to marketing, hear which tactics deliver results in different industries, and give you some ideas for your next campaign. The Art of Marketing is brought to you ad-free by Applied Art and Technology. Applied Art is a creative studio that helps businesses create professional content that gets results. From video production, websites, virtual events, and much more, Applied Art can help you build the bridge from marketing to sales. To learn more about our company, visit our website at appliedart.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. This is The Art of Marketing. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Art of Marketing podcast. I think we've got a really interesting uh, discussion going on today. Um, as usual, if you have any questions, there's a Q&A button at the bottom of your screen where you can ask questions, and we encourage questions. Um, this will be a lively group. There's also a chat a window at the bottom, so you can, if you want to discuss or ask, uh, uh, have a conversation with the panelists or other attendees, uh, feel free to use that. Um, welcome to the Art of Marketing. I'm George Christ uh, with Applied Art and Technology, and we have Shannon, who is business development, uh, Caitlin, project manager, Brandon, a designer and developer, Chris, who's our operations manager. Um, in the virtual event and meetings, honestly, I think most of us thought we wouldn't be doing that in October, but we are. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have done a lot of virtual events and meetings. Uh, <clears throat> we actually built our own platform to host these on so we could have complete control. This week, the team's been extremely busy, had two large meetings, uh, one of 1,000 attendees. Uh, and it's, uh, it's been quite an experience. Of course, we've been involved in the live uh, in-person meeting space for a long time, and we've uh, been involved in streaming video, so it's been interesting to uh, combine the two. Um, the idea for this really started off uh, with an Shannon, who was uh, kind of watching some behind the scenes and was so fascinated by it. So Shannon, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us uh, how you got, what, what your first impression was of that? Well, I think it's important to note too that uh, Applied Art was doing virtual before virtual was cool. So this is not new to us. And I think that's one of the things I want people to realize is that this has been a part of, of our business solution offerings from a long time ago. Um, now it's popular because it's necessary. Uh, and I talk to a lot of people um, virtually and via email, and everybody has a lot of different questions and a lot of different ideas about what a Zoom meeting is. And I want to make sure that people understand today that what we do is really different than just a Zoom meeting. So you're right. I logged in last week or the week, uh, two weeks ago for a large event that our team was working on and was so impressed and taken aback because I had no idea. I felt like I was part of a NASA event and that we were preparing for a missile launch because the interaction between 
Caitlin and Brandon and Chris and other members of our team was the conversation and the countdown and before a speaker went off, it was just, I mean, it made me nervous. I was apprehensive. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this, is this all going to go okay? And people were having trouble logging in or they're so virtually um, not familiar with how things work that they needed some handholding. And I, I want our team to talk about that because it's so important. It's not just click a link, go here and everything's okay. If you've got to go to a breakout room, if you want to visit a 2D booth and you're having issues, um, the live support is something that really separates what Applied Art does from a lot of other platforms. And, and I, I want to, to share that with folks and have our team talk a little bit about it. So just yeah. to uh, just kind of clarify, when the actual meeting's going on, there's a whole separate meeting going on behind the scenes, which includes like, uh, uh, it's really like a go-to-meeting behind the scenes and everybody's in the same room. And, but there's also a bunch of people manning chat uh, and technical support and answering the Q&A. And uh, uh, Caitlin, yeah, you Yeah, and you know, hold on oh, just a second, sure. because one of the things that I thought was really cool, uh, I think it was Caitlin that shared this is, we're talking multiple states, right? So we're not just talking about Iowa. The, the event that I'm talking about was cross country. It involved multiple yeah. states, multiple different time zones, and everybody trying to come together. And Caitlin, why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because it was very interesting behind the scenes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and with that, the, the time zones uh, being so, so important there and event times and, and that all comes full circle in, in the planning and having us there to help you with your event and, uh, and be able to, to know all these pieces. And so once an event starts, it just uh, is very much uh, the feel of a live event and in-person event with our countdowns, like you said, it feels like <laughs> a bit of like mission control in there. So 30 seconds to show time. Uh, we have multiple presenters from all over the country, all logging in as well, being able to coordinate that um, and us have the chance to, you know, be online with them behind the scenes as well. All right, you're coming up in 10 seconds. We're going to switch now. We're going to do this. Um, just having that coordination um, in itself is a is a feat. And so being able to, to pull it off every time feels great. Um, and so with that, there's definitely been uh, some, some unknowns going into it <laughs> and, and working through that. Um, one of one of my favorite support pieces having to do with clocks and countdowns um, for an event with people all over the country. Um, we have a countdown going, you know, your event goes live in, in four minutes and, and whatnot. And so one of our presenters was not able to see that countdown, did not know it. It was telling them that there was no event at all scheduled. And so we're like, this is new. What, what do we do here? Um, and so we got tech support on the phone with him. We started sharing screenshots of what he should be seeing versus what he was seeing on his screen. Um, and by, by some miracle, we were able to narrow that down to his computer clock, his internal clock on his computer that he was using. Um, it was an older laptop that had not been fired up in a while that he had fired up just for to use for this event. 
uh, and the internal clock on it was set uh, to a, a date in the 1960s. 70s thing so like the the furthest back you could ever why like a, he had selected his birthday instead of the actual day it was something uh and then the time on it was also you know eight or nine hours off in in a completely different time zone um oh my gosh just a matter that he hadn't used that device in so long um there was no looking at that beforehand or being able to predict something like that would happen. Uh, but again, by some uh, miracle on our end of things and just the amount of people on it. And then one of, uh, it was actually our lead developer who said, let's go into your clock and start checking stuff out. And he narrowed it down to that. And we were able to reset everything and get him up get him logged into the event. He got the countdown clock. He was able to click it. He was able to get in and make his presentation. And so oh my goodness. Uh, it was behind the scenes. It was a lot of scrambling and questioning, uh, but in the end for the live event, he was there and he showed up and, and he presented. So it was a success on our part for that. That's a, that's a great story. You know, it's funny because that's something that um, I hear a lot. People feel like they don't need to rehearse. They don't want to go through that. They don't want to inconvenience people. Now, obviously, maybe a rehearsal would have would have helped in that case, but maybe not. Um, talk about that, because I know in the event that I was referring to that I tuned into, you guys did a lot of rehearsing and a lot of testing. And, and Brandon, maybe you can talk about the value of working those kinks out prior to the event, because I think a lot of folks, you know, it's, it's more time. I get it. It's, it's more of a commitment, but how critical is practicing? Uh, well, first off, I would just to add on to that previous story. It's not as bizarre as you one might think to have your clock set back that far. There's a little <laughs> battery in every computer called a CMOS battery, and that keeps mm -hmm. track of your time while the mm -hmm. laptop, while it's off. And that battery probably drained over time because it was a laptop that he had used before. So it's not all that strange of a problem that, that could happen to anybody. Uh, let's see. So then basically we basically, we, um, you know, we test everything ahead of time, test the uh, website, make sure everything works on different browsers. Um, we even uh, sometimes have to test it to see if it's people are able in other countries to even see the website. Um, and then, of course, we test, um, uh, you know, we're doing live events, uh, doing rehearsals, uh, streaming it. Uh, and so testing everything that way. Uh, we test the, um, then the live stream in various different types of browsers and scenarios. Um, you, know, you have that anywhere from people having different versions of Windows as well as old versions of browsers. And so um, we try to say basically, you, if, if it's something is not supporting a really old browser, we try to recommend like the type of browser that would be supported. Yeah, the, another thing about the rehearsing too is sometimes it's a benefit even outside of what we're doing is the, the client, whoever's putting on the message is actually reading through the script and finding things that it, this sounds really good when you type it, <laughs> but it's not necessarily what you want. It doesn't work for you when you're actually trying to speak it. So there's some of that gets, uh, you know, scripting and things like that can change because it's a little more of a conversation than, than it was originally printed. And then in, in some cases too, they'll rearrange things a little bit because they're talking about a certain topic and they'll say, Oh, you know, this is dumb. We should have so-and-so here and not later because we're already talking about this here. So there are some adjustments that happen on the client side in the rehearsals that make things smoother in delivering their message as well. And we can help with that process too. 
And um, uh, do you run into uh, corporate firewalls, um, different uh, meeting software not allowed? Has that been a problem ever? Absolutely, it has. We've had some, <laughs> and uh, companies that, you know, their preferred browser may be older uh, ones that aren't really supported anymore. We're working through that, as Brandon said. Um, their security, their firewalls, how we can make sure our platform is as secure as it can be so that we can get through to as many people as we can reach there. So, uh, I'm curious too, during the event, how many people are working behind the scenes and how are they organized? What's that look like? Yeah, and so with that, it, it'll depend, of course, on the amount of attendees coming to the event, um, but like this week, for say we had an event that had about a thousand predicted attendees. Um, and so behind the scenes, um, Brandon was manning the tech support and chat support for that. Um, I think he had a team of five, six people uh, that he was working with and they were, they were fielding them fast um, because people will wait until the moment the event starts <laughs> to, to log in, to, to figure stuff out. Um, even if we remind them your events today, your events tomorrow, get familiar with it. They, they will wait and they'll, they'll, the events at two will come at 155 and get in. And so knowing that there's a chance uh, that, you know, maybe a thousand people could be asking questions, we, we definitely have, uh, a larger crew and then as far as in the live events we also have another five or six people you know in logged into the live event being able to man any chat see if q a is happening be in contact with the client uh, promote speakers uh, mute people if needed just do you know, <laughs> a lot's going on during a live event and you know you want to stay on that agenda keep the time um and so there's there's multiple roles that come in and then out of there for sure i just want to know have you ever you know enjoyed that mute somebody capability because that would be cool i've been in a few meetings no offense george i'd love to be able to <laughs> press that mute button <laughs> yes. Sorry, don't, don't, for the do, not, do not tempt me shannon um, <laughs> actually I, I think there was one time when uh, you guys had to remove some people from the meeting right <laughs> because the client um um didn't realize some of these people shouldn't have dropped into this particular meeting yeah, yeah, and prior to that, it was, you know, it was making sure that the people that were supposed to attend were there and attending the right things. And there was there's no a discussion about, oh, those people shouldn't be in here. <laughs> Nobody talked about that until they were like, oh, well, those actually should be here. So, yes. Yes. There was a message halfway through the meeting saying, I think there's a couple of people who shouldn't be in the And it was, you know, we had some general sessions, some main events that everyone was involved in. And then there were some separate roundtables, breakouts and stuff um, that were also open for attendees. Um, but with that, going through kicking people out uh, for the client and then having those same people come over to chat support saying, yes. I think I was dropped from my meeting. Yeah. So what did you, what did you guys do? Did you, did you send them a message and say the client yeah. booted you or? <laughs> yeah, well, no, the, uh, it was uh, a message that said something along the lines of, uh, uh, they've only asked for this set of people, you know? Yeah, the attendee list. The attendee, that this list of attendees is, is supposed to be in that meeting and everybody else is not, so. 
you try yeah, the, to get the, managers again. Yeah, I was going to say that it does show how quickly you guys are able to react in a live situation. Um, Brandon, I'm kind of curious is what's, what's it like the day of a morning of a meeting uh, from just a, a tech support? Yeah, as Caitlin mentioned, basically uh, a lot of people, uh, some people will join early and they're just saying, I'm trying to register because I don't want to be ready. And th that's great. And usually those people have a lot of patience because they realize they've got time. But uh, the vast majority of people that need help usually need help five minutes before the meeting starts, uh, right up until about 10 minutes in. So in other words, after it already starts, they realize they logged in and either they're late or they're now having troubles joining. And so you essentially are still helping them in, like I said, around 10 to 15 minutes into the meeting. And then we end up, we end up seeing kind of a drop off because everybody who wants to be in the meeting is already there. Uh, and so uh, our goal is not only to help them get in the meeting, but again, get in there as fast as possible. So we have pre-canned answers that we try to make ahead of time that where we can just copy and paste the answer straight in there and do it as fast as we can. Um, and so also we use a combination. That's kind of why we have like five people. Would be that anybody who's not currently assigned someone that they're, they're uh, helping can look in on some other chats and actually make suggestions. So in other words, this, uh, one person could be looking something up while the other person's chatting already, and then they paste it in, and then we can copy and paste that straight to the user, and that way then they get the answer <coughs> much faster. So, uh, well, so in other words, sometimes wanna, we'll use two people. Yeah. Go ahead. I want to add to that is that we have this internal ch Slack channel that I watch all the time when you guys are doing live events, and you and Jason and Chris and Caitlin and Carrie and everybody goes back and forth with do this, do that, and I see screenshots, and it's just the, the level of communication internally from behind the scenes from the support team is really, really critical because everybody's not sitting in an office. You're not in a bank next to each other. Everybody for the most part's working from home and you're still able to field those questions from across the country, communicate with each other, collectively address the issue. And, and that's, that's a really valuable offering. George, did you see that Q&A that we have? Yes, I was just going to say, um, the question uh, is, what surprised you m the most about doing virtual events? And I think everyone's probably got a different answer to this question. So uh, just go ahead and jump in. What surprised you most about doing virtual events? Uh, I, yeah, I guess I'll start with that one. Um, mine would be... I mean, there's, there's been a lot of surprising things in the world of <laughs> virtual events, to be honest. Uh, but really just the uh, people thinking, like, we got this. Don't, don't worry. We don't need the extra rehearsal time or we don't need a, a run through because maybe it, you know, it might feel a little silly. We've had a couple where people are like, this feels weird. I'm just repeating everything I'm going to say here. Uh, but that's, that's what a rehearsal is. And it it's worth it to do it. Um, and like Chris mentioned earlier, we've, we've ha had to make changes in the show and stuff based on those rehearsals and just finding out things that, that may work better uh, and a flow that, that'll fit the show more. Um, and so really just, just coming in a little bit uh, overly confident of like, we got this, it's gonna be a, a virtual meeting. This is, but the planning and having that set agenda, keeping the, to those times, uh, and then being able to rehearse it as you would the actual event is just so key. We've, we've had some without rehearsals, some with, and the some that do the full dry run 
uh, and do a lot of tech rehearsals with us you can tell with the quality of the event there so it's i really like what mark puts together too and mark for our audience is uh, one of the partners at applied art as is george but he puts together a show flow diagram that i think is really cool i don't know how you guys follow that but it really kind of lays out what's supposed to happen when and that's got it's like a roadmap for success when he when he does that and i think that's valuable mm -hmm. brandon what about you what surprised you the most um, I guess, uh, like I said, we uh, get a diversity of uh, people from all across the country and, um, you know, we actually get that in as data, like we can see at least relatively where they are. And so I guess just the number of types of problems that people will have, um, they just vary, like, to the point where you're just like, oh, this is new. I mean, every time you're just like, I've never seen anybody have this trouble before. Like, um, give some examples of what that looks like. What are some of those? Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, audio issues is a big one. You never know because every every person's computer is different. Um, they have different audio setups, different types of speaker setups. You know, most people laptop pretty simple. They've only got the internal speakers, but you never know. They might be trying to listen on their headphones. And so, um, I guess the most uh, interesting one was where somebody had the site muted. So I had to actually look it up, and they said, "I've restarted my computer. I've done everything. I still can't hear anything." Well, I looked, and uh, the main thing is uh, they were using Google Chrome. And uh, it doesn't just say mute tab or mute window, it says mute site. So it remembers that essentially you can turn your laptop off, you can shut everything down, it doesn't matter. You open up your browser, it says essentially zoom.us is muted permanently until you unmute it. And so it didn't matter if this person was going to try to join a Zoom call next week or next month, if they didn't unmute that site, they were never going to hear any audio. So we basically had to walk them through how to uh, un uh, unmute the site. And Put it all back and you were able then, to do that yeah yeah essentially probably I mean, at some point they basically you know wanted to walk away from their computer and then have the conference be muted for a little bit and they just forgot that they did that is my guess wow i did not even know you could do that yeah I didn't either. and then most people would think it's temporary right but nope it's not temporary it's once muted. you do it it's done yep well it's based on that yeah that domain name and two, a lot of the uh, uh, requests you handle are not just technical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, we get a little bit of, uh, <laughs> so we say we have to reread stuff twice because they, they're typing in the wrong chat window. They, instead of hitting the Q&A button, they hit the tech chat button and they put it in that it says, how may I help you today? But they're not really seeing that. And then they ask a, a question that I find bizarre from a tech standpoint. I'm like, I don't know how many uh, times it takes to milk a cow probably you know i'm like i have no idea what that is <laughs> and so then i'm just like oh i see what they mean uh, they meant for this for the q a got it yeah. do you guys have your favorite or most interesting or unusual uh, uh requests well i want to hear from before we do that i want to hear from chris about what what surprised you most about a virtual event oh the uh i came from a live TV, live radio and TV uh, background. That's was a million years ago. Uh, but that kind of always stays with you, you know, and we, we have our soundstage here as well, which is something we haven't talked about yet, but we can have uh, hosts or people on set here too, that we can incorporate into the meeting that they can see who's chatting and that sort of thing, but they can deliver their message here using prompter or whatever they need. Uh, we've got a 3000 square foot, uh, soundstage that's available to use too. So um, it was neat 
uh, because I'd been at Applied Art for a very long time too. And it was really cool to see this new combination of, of the talents come together like that because there's, there is a, a terrific element of live TV in there. Uh, and then the whole backbone of, of what our uh, web and uh, programmers can do. Uh, it was just this really interesting combination of, of our strengths coming together that, that was something I hadn't really thought of before, you know, until this kind of came around. And, well, we uh, just did. We just, for one of our favorite clients, we just did a big deal last week yeah. that was part pre-recorded, part virtual, part live. And it went yeah. And, and all that well. too, when, when, we're, when we're switching something like that, when we're using a, you know, a TV uh, technology, um, you know, we could throw graphics up, we can throw name bars up, we can throw stats up. I mean, there's so much that can happen that, that we can provide with the facilities that we have here, which is part of our natural, you know, environment um, that uh, can add to meetings as well that you won't get from just setting up a Zoom and trying to, I'll link your desktop up to it. So um, that's part of one of the, we were talking about crews. That's, you know, because Carrie was, Carrie was kind of uh, sort of a, a booth director and handling graphics and while Mark was switching. And then some of the shows I was running audio for it. So, you know, multiple microphones and feeds coming from other places and videos that were rolling in. And, and uh, so that it was kind of a bunch of us kind of went back to our, our upbringings to, uh, to be able to do the live TV again. And that's, that was really surprised me was how much I really enjoyed still doing that and how much of that fit together. And, and instead of, you know, delivering out to TV, it's going out to whatever platform you want. We can send it to YouTube. We can send it to Vimeo. Um, we, we use Zoom and what else else we do, George? I mean, we have all kinds of different uh, uh, end results that can come out to people too. So it's not, it's, it's not dedicated to any one particular uh, delivery platform too. Yeah, I think that's one. If, actually, that's, I think one of the things that I learned is that there is not just one perfect solution. You know, um, we obviously aren't going to uh, invent a streaming uh, content delivery system. Uh, so we, there's some really good ones out there, but they're all different. Zoom has some very serious limitations when you try to do certain things. You know, you can use uh, any number of uh, platforms. Some have better breakout rooms. Some have better video quality. Um, you really, it's, it's, there's not one solution that fits all. And that doesn't matter if it's a large or a small meeting. There's a different, a different right technology uh, to use for that part of it. And of course, there's there's the the event goes beyond just the meeting room. Um, and Caitlin, maybe you could talk a little bit about the what is what are the other things? Or Caitlin, Brandon, you can talk about the uh, social connection part of it and the a uh, lot of the things that are a little less obvious. Okay. Yeah. yeah I could say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I say, uh, adding on to what you were saying. Also, there's something to be said for, um, say, for instance, you have to know your audience. Um, you know, you don't want to use, choose a tech, in other words, for uh, an audience that essentially, um, I got to say, if you're basically trying to sell them something, then you don't want to have where they have to go and download an app just so you can sell them something. You know, so uh, having a web browser-based experience where they don't need to download anything, and essentially they can click a link and just start seeing the presentation. Um, you know, that makes it easier because those people tend to have less patience for jumping through a bunch of hoops. Uh, I think that's a, I think that's that. a really good point. I've heard that a lot from prospects that I've talked to about how they have concerns about the technology capability of their audience 
and how easy it's going to be. That's a hurdle. Uh, we have an event coming up for a client mid-November, and that was one of their concerns is they just really need it to be seamless. You don't want those folks that are not tech savvy, because let's face it, a lot of people weren't until they have to be. They want it to be a very easy, accessible event. So I think that's really valid, really valid. Yeah, and that's, that's where we can help. Chris mentioned it earlier, you know, being able to see all the different areas of applied art come together and be able to work together on one event. And so with, with the platform that we've made, we've really been able to, to work together more with different departments and, and put on these events. Um, and there's, you know, the networking side of the events that you don't have when you're at that in-person event. We wanted to to still be able to recreate some of that. And so we have this virtual platform now where you can go, we can, we can make a connect area, make a networking area. We can have vendor areas and sponsors highlighted. You know, we have agendas shown, we have keynote speakers and bios and, and you know, everything you would, you would want there besides being able to be with each other in person. Um, but We've, we've tried to make an environment that, that uses, uh, you know, all the same elements that you would in that sh normal event and kind of bring it all together in one place. Um, and so with that, our web team has been working to create these platforms. We have our graphics and animation team uh, that's made graphics for these sites that have worked on um, some 2D and 3D booths for vendors for these shows. So they have a place to go and, and highlight their content and, and get assets out there to their, to their customers, to the users, to the attendees, um, like they would if, if it were a live event. And so we, we've really wanted to, to incorporate everything. Um, and then like Chris mentioned too, being able to, to live stream um, and use our video crew and our soundstage um, to, have that, to have that nice uh, transition there. So, you still have the, the live event almost feel, the stage, the presenters, uh, and they, there's room for them all. And so just having everybody uh, at Applied Art and different departments get to work together on these events has been, has been awesome for, for the actual event days and uh, just the creating of these event platforms that they live on and, and where the attendees will go for the duration of that event uh, to be able to connect with one another and and really have some of that same live event, in-person event feel. Absolutely. For our that's audience, that's, kind of what, you know, oh, just one second. Oh, go the, ahead. Uh, you know, if you're trying to do something with Zoom alone, there's a lot of weight put on whoever is presenting, you know, that they have to be talking to people, but they also have to make sure people are going to the right places and saying the right things. So a lot of what our crew and, and what our goal has been is to take a lot of that weight off of those people that are presenting and, and make sure that that's seamless activity happens so you know you don't want to you don't want to throttle somebody that's trying to to yeah. make sure that a coherent message is going out and the whole time he's down here trying to make sure people are going to the right places and hearing and the right I'm, thing, seeing their I'm glad you said that because that's exactly where I was going there's a lot of people for our audience that's thinking about zoom is the and we're not bashing zoom zoom is a great platform just like samba and vimeo and some other platforms that are available zoom's great but exactly what Chris is saying, the behind the scenes, navigation and movement and rehearsals and tech support is what's different. That's what separates just logging into a Zoom meeting versus 
choosing a partner. It doesn't have to be applied art, although it should be. I'm just saying. But it doesn't have to be. But you've got to have somebody that's able to help you navigate because having a virtual event, it's probably going to be the first time you've ever had it. And if you're doing it and you don't know what you're doing, it may not be good. And how do you do that next year? Because we don't know what the future holds. And that's why I wanted you guys to share a little bit about what do people struggle with? Because I know it's simple and it's complicated. Brandon, you've shared a couple. Chris, you've got one that, that cracked me up when you, when you shared it earlier this week because it was so simple. Yeah, but, the, uh, they had logged in and uh, they were seeing an agenda in front of them. And they were like, I can't see the video. I can't see the meeting. I, I don't, you know, where do I press? I pressed over here, I pressed over there. And I said, well, okay, are you at the main hall? Yes, what do you see? I see this agenda. Okay, which, which agenda would you, which item would you want to, what place do you want to go to? Well, I want to go to this breakout. Okay, click on it. <laughs> they didn't know the link, you know. So, oh, I actually, I actually got a message back was like, oh, duh. I didn't know I could click on that. So, yeah, I mean, you get all kinds of things that people get, uh, I mean, it's just human nature. You get a little flustered. You're supposed to be somewhere and you're not there, you know. So, sure. Well, and then I think I know the team gets together after every day of every meeting and reviews uh, what went wrong. Uh, you know, I imagine those licks, links will be even more obvious that they're clickable. No, we, were, we were just talking about that this morning. And, yeah. and going on. Um, Brandon, you and I were talking, you, you made a comment the other day I thought was interesting about you know, really what we're here to do is to make it so you have an excellent virtual event, that it looks good, it goes smooth, everything. And you were talking about, um, oh, the intro and all the videos and everything was super polished until you got to the PowerPoints. Um, and you also had some experience with that when you were at Disney. You want to just talk about what your opinion is about that? Um, uh, I was going to say you do uh, find in even large companies where um, somebody basically is ex uh, working on their own PowerPoint and they don't ever consult even their own internal marketing department or any graphic designer or anybody. And they essentially make their own PowerPoint presentation. And so uh, I was seeing an extreme difference between the polished level of graphics that were introducing a speaker and uh, then all of a sudden then they start speaking and it's their own PowerPoint that they made themselves. Uh, and so then... <laughs> Essentially, you know, just an extreme difference in quality, and it and it shows. I mean, it's just remarkably a, a difference. And uh, quite often, they their slides weren't even adhering to the the company's color scheme. Even they were just like, well, I don't know, I like orange, so it's orange. Um, and so, uh, on top of that, I was saying like to George that um, you know they didn't even bother animating anything, you know, which is a basic thing you can do in like PowerPoint and Keynote and anything like that. Is you know instead of just bringing in a pie graph, you should at least like bring it in pie slice by pie slice, you know, add a little bit of interest to it, and they're not even doing that. So um, essentially, that's the kind of thing that I feel like that'd be the extra level of polish is getting it to where, because uh, I could say the main thing is, we're not talking about a talking head, and then over here in the corner is the PowerPoint. It's like, no, it's showing full screen. And so it's just very obvious that it was, uh, you know, that's not designed. I'll chime in on a little bit of that too. The uh, one of the points we've done a, a couple of weeks ago, which I think is the one that, that Shannon uh, witnessed, uh, they had a very, very strong colors. One of their big colors is purple. And uh, we had gone through a little extra links uh, for the soundstage to make sure that the colors matched everything else that was happening. So we actually lit the psych wall 
you know, it was purple. And we had a flash of, of white color through it, which was kind of their theme. And, and uh, you know, it looked fantastic just on its own, but then when you plugged the video into this, the website, it was just, it was just seamless. It was, you know, it was the same look and same message, um, you know, coming from all different angles. So that, that extends beyond the, the PowerPoint thing in the actual physical space that we have here with the soundstage. That's all excellent. Um, well, we're kind of starting to wrap up a little bit here. I'd like to ask the audience if they have any questions. Um, they'd like, this is a great chance. Got a lot of experience uh, with virtual meetings uh, sitting right here. Uh, Brandon, back to your point about PowerPoints, um, you know, it would be our preference is like, hey, just run it by, let one of our designers just, it's not like we're going to start from scratch, but just clean it up, make it look nice. Yeah, it's, a, it's a small investment that makes a big difference. Um, I've just noticed, George, we have a question and I, and I really want to address this. Thank you for the question, um, anonymous attendee. What advice would you give? to someone who's interested in hosting a virtual, uh, a virtual event, but has no idea where to start. Okay, because I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a sales opportunity, but I don't want to answer it like that. George, let, let's, let's hear from you about that. What advice? Um, you know what, there's, uh, the one thing that I've been impressed with is that there, there is a lot to this. You know, it's it's very much like a real meeting where you have speakers, you have presentations, you have audio files that play back. Um, you have to make arrangements for the room and figure out the breakouts. You're going to have people lost and you have, have vendors. It's it's very complex. And, and for some reason, I think, well, let's, let's just do an online meeting. Uh, no, it's, it's so much more complex than that. Um, so I think a good thing is just to have a discussion with somebody, one of our people, and just talk about what the requirements are. What is it you're trying to do? How many people? How we're going to handle the registration? How we're going to do all of these different items? Um, uh, because there's a number of ways to do them, and some work better than others. So I, I think, you know, that that conversation is free. Yeah, absolutely. I think based on the conversations I've had with folks like that, it's create a roadmap for number one, what are you trying to accomplish? Is this an annual meeting that needs to be virtual? Um, are you looking to maintain the revenue from vendors that you've had in your previous live events? And if so, how can we do that? I mean, I think it's make a wish list of I have to have this. I've got four speakers. I've got a general session. I want them to break out. I still want people to network. Maybe I want a live auction, uh, silent auction, either one. I want vendors. Make a wish list and we can start the conversation there. It's more about what are you trying to accomplish? A virtual event can be whatever it needs to be. What is your goal and what are you trying to accomplish and what do you want the user to experience? Do you just want to have a Zoom meeting? Is it 20 people that can be right here talking to each other or is it more than that? Do you want it recorded so you can charge people later to visit it if they weren't able to attend? I mean, there's a lot of different things to consider. It really is kind of make a list of what you think you want and then work through it. Yeah, there's some historical perspective there too. Is 
they could be armed in that meeting when they come to us to say, well, this is what we're used to. You know, this is what we've done in the past. This meeting Absolutely. was like this last year. Meeting. Yeah. So as, as we know that we can kind of custom tuned to, uh, to what the newest virtual meeting will be for you. And maybe we might come up with an idea to make, make it better. You know, and that's exactly what we did for one that we have coming up in November with uh, IMHA. Uh, when Becky called me, it's like, gosh, here's what we did when it was live. How much of this can we replicate? And Caitlin, you're the project manager on that. So, you know, it's like, okay. So she and I had several conversations. It's like, yeah, we can maintain all of that. And, and actually, she's likely to have more exhibitors virtually than she would have had in person because people don't have to stand at a table and be there all day. <laughs> we, can do a, we can do a 2D booth where they still get the same experience. It's going to be recorded. They'll be able to visit it later. And somebody didn't have to, you know, stand in a conference hall for two days. That's valuable. Kaylin, as a project manager, what would you say? Uh, on where to start, uh, pretty much exactly what they said you know if it's if it's a brand new event um, really learning <coughs> about the event how they want it to be laid out uh, how they imagine it uh, but then if it's if they're trying to recreate a, an event now and go virtually with it that you know in past years would have been an in-person event then really just starting with a discussion on on how that event used to run and and digging deep into how we can take every piece of that event and you know it might morph sort of but it's it's not going to be fully removed uh besides the the handshake there in person that, that we can't have anymore uh but again I, I mentioned earlier we still have been trying to incorporate the the networking the connection area of the site as well to really be able to open that up um having the general session but then having smaller round tables smaller breakouts um and so just really knowing what what you want from your event. Um, and then, you know, we can work with you to get you there to make that happen. George, uh, we, having, we some, having some oh. knowledge about the demographics of the people that are going to be in the audience too is helpful because, you know, yeah. if it's a computer company or something like that, that, you know, they're computer savvy. We need to kind of know that they know the ins and outs where if it's an older audience, say that, that uh, doesn't punch the buttons all that much. It's nice to know that too. So that's something to come armed with as well. And that's something tomorrow even we have we have an a, an event going on tomorrow that they did let us know you know it's a it is a bit of an older audience and so if we rather than have multiple layers of this platform and go here and click here and check this out um, we have a great landing page for them as you scroll that landing pla uh, event platform you have all the buttons right there jump into this virtual tour that we created uh, to go take a swing through that jump into this live session to start your event um, and just having everything there in one place with clear precise buttons and navigation uh, just makes it flow so much easier that kind of leads us into our next question what would be your recommendations on how to do a tour through a plant with a virtual event and we've actually had yeah. uh, we've had <laughs> some experience with that uh, brandon what uh, what are your thoughts on that I would probably say it depends on whether you want that to be something that people can go on, do it on their own later, or whether you want it to be completely just live. So I would say if you're gonna do it live, um, you essentially want uh, to do it all on video. And then essentially, I think you'd wanna be paying attention to the chat. So 
you'd want people to be able to ask questions as the tour is progressing. And so you'd need somebody basically looking at the chat full time, standing behind the camera, and then uh, you know, probably have a, some sort of teleprompter to say, here's the, here's the question, you know, and answer that. And so I think you'd need a moderator in that case, and then you could do it all just live with a, you know, a, a mobile, you know, how can I say, a mobile friendly camera so that you can move quicker. And then, uh, but then otherwise, I think you'd have to have something that's more like pre-formatted if it's something you want people to be able to look at later. Uh, and have it as an ongoing tour. Uh, so then we'd probably be talking like a 360 degree panorama um, and, and you don't know, have nodes where you can click and move around uh, from one 360 degree panorama to the next or possibly a 3D rendered version of the same thing. Uh, so then that way then uh, it just depends on, um, I guess the 3D rendered version of it would allow us to do some, um, how can I say like explosion type uh, diagrams where if you know you see a machine you could see it with all of its parts exploded out so that you can understand it and you know we'd be able to do some more uh, infotainment kind of things with it. Yeah, that's, it was that's funny because that's one of the things that uh, what I was talking about earlier is we've been doing 360 video for quite a while now <laughs> and some of these tours and things you know that were uh, web-based that people would send them to to hey see this place. So that's, that's another thing that can kind of plug into this whole platform and be live on that. Yeah, I was going to say we've, we've done the live ones. You know, they obviously have, there's technical issues that can happen with any live uh, broadcast. Um, we've done where you played videos and have live chat. So they, you have the, you can still ask questions and get the dialogue going, but it's just playing videos. And then, uh, like you guys said, we've done uh, for this weekend a virtual tour which is a, a 360 uh, navigated tour. Um, we have another question. I was going to say, about. yeah, you want to yeah. just go ahead and read that, Shannon? Does it take longer to plan a virtual event versus a live event? Now, my gut on that is no, because <laughs> I've, done, I've done both. But it does require, somebody's got to do the heavy lifting, right? So if you're going to have 2D booths, Somebody's got to work with the vendors and let them know here, here's a list of what's required and you're kind of counting on them. Whereas if they're doing a booth live, it's up to them. They've got, they've paid for their space and what they bring and what they share with people is up to them. So there's a little bit more involved. Um, but what do you guys think? I mean, I'm looking at it from, from that perspective. What do you think about time-wise? I'd say your point about the vendor booth, that probably is, that's the added on time because we're essentially making their vendor booths for right. them instead of, like you said, just here's your spot, come bring your own vendor booth. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't have much experience in the, in the live in-person event side of things, um, but I would, I would definitely allow for the planning time on a virtual event. Um, I imagine as you would a live event, um, just in gathering the assets, gathering the content, um, having the time to build that platform out, have it be branded exactly how you want it to be branded, um, you know, and just give yourself the time to, to click through everything um, and to familiarize yourself with it as well before you launch it to all your attendees. Um, yeah, and I just, think mostly yeah. It, it comes down to when you're doing it virtual, it's really compiling the list I mentioned earlier about here's what I want to do. And then you select your partner that says, okay, here's what I need from you and when, and Caitlin, you're great at that. Here's the stuff that we have to have in order to execute. 
So there's no travel, there's no meal planning, there's no working with a hotel, there's none of that, right? So it's just about, oh, okay, and I've got a team of live tech support, so I don't have to go chase somebody down if the power goes out and the lights go out and the hotel room's AC isn't working. I don't have to do any of that. Nope, because everybody's at home participating in their pajamas anyway, so you're good. Uh, another question, what types of conversations have we had uh, when we go towards uh, more of a hybrid format and what that platform looks like? And, and by hybrid, I'm thinking a combination of live event mm -hmm. and a, a virtual event. Well, I think we have a great example because we just did that last week, Chris, the client I was referring to. We had pre-recorded content. We had live in our studio. Um, the question is, what kind of conversations did we have about that? You know, I, I think it will be interesting. Um, I think, you know, once we can all go to a live event, people will like that. But there's a lot of times when due to travel costs and due to, you know, uh, the limitations there, you can actually expand it to a, a wider audience. Oh, yeah. Um, you can go to you can go to your live event and you can come home and you can review maybe the breakout sessions you didn't see. Uh, you can instead of carrying your bag of goodies around or swiping your card, that can all be virtual. Uh, it can persist way beyond the day of your event, which is interesting. Um, and you may be able to still drop in and chat with those vendors that you missed, ran out of time. And I think that's always a problem. Plus. You know, you can come home early and put your feet up and and uh, kind of go through and, and think about it a little bit. So well, I'm and you know, from a we've talked about this before from a business development situation. A couple of my favorite conferences that I always uh, enjoyed and came away with contacts. Networking is essentially gone because people are not meeting. We're just not doing face-to-face -face meetings. And what I love about our platform is the networking where people really take the time to fill out a bio and provide some detail. You know, Sh Shannon's a Cyclone fan. She's a Packers fan. I don't like the Vikings. Here we go. Now we got something to talk about, right? I can go back to that if that event is recorded and I can reference that and I can still try to connect with those people. So I think moving forward, depending on what happens with COVID, there will be a hybrid. And I think people have gotten used to this. Uh, Chris mentioned last week, I think, about how we can't believe how great our internal communication is within the company while we're all remote. I think that's going to continue. I've had more Zoom meetings. It's easier to schedule a Zoom meeting with a prospective client than it is to get a meeting for me to come into the office and interrupt their day. So I think the hybrid is really going to be the future. And I think we'll navigate around that just fine because we kind of already are in a lot of ways. So any, um, we're about to wrap up here. Any uh, last comments? Any funny stories? Any observations? I just had one that I wanted to bring up about the breakouts, which I thought was really interesting, was we can set breakups, breakouts uh, or uh, roundtables up so that people can, you know, once a, meet, uh, a general session goes by, they are presented with a page and say, you can go. Uh, I want to go here, I want to go there, you know, whatever. Um, but you can also pre-determine uh, what people go to what breakouts. So from the administration side of things, you know these people, they need to be in this breakout or that breakout. And 
all that happens behind the scenes. So, you know, the message. No, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you're bringing that up because that's that's come up in conversations with me about folks saying, okay, I want everybody. One of the conferences I always attend every year, I have to choose my breakouts for three days. What am at 10:30, at 1:30, at 3:30? Where mm -hmm. am I going to be? And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, because we can do it either way. People can do that if you want them mm -hmm. to move to room A, B, or C to hear that, and then you want them rotated, we can do it that way. If you want them to randomly choose, we can do it that way. That's a, that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I, was, I, was, I had uh, one other question and a comment. Um, what are you seeing uh, as far as how long is a day? You know, it used to be a conference, it'd be all weekend yeah. or it'd be, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What's, what's happening? What's... That, that's a conversation we've had, too, in planning the events, you know, when you look at what your regular conference would look like. And it was an all day. You wake up at 9 a.m. at the hotel and then you, you start networking and you start your breakouts. You start your general or your keynotes and all your all your event pieces there. And so can you expect someone to, to sit in front of their computer from nine to five? Probably not. That's that. Uh, and if so, then that's when, you know, we, we help you plan out your agenda and schedule those breaks. So we, we've had some events that do go nine to five, uh, but you know, there's a keynote in the morning um, and a couple presenters, and then maybe it goes to a breakout and then, they have a five, 10 minute break in between those. They have a lunch hour or two. They resume later in the afternoon. They have a breakout in the evening. Um, and so they're, they're more concentrated pieces of time there um, than, than what you could expect on an in-person in event for sure. Just so what, a matter of sitting in front of your computer that long, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say we've also had some, go ahead. Sorry, Chris. The, uh, the one we did just did this week, for a couple of days, um, it was a section in the morning that was like a bunch of people. And then there was sessions in the afternoon, which it was more of a select group or the upper sales or something like that. So, you know, you can have the mornings where everybody's attending and then the afternoon where you've got different groups going on too. So it's all We've also had a, a client that uh, instead of trying to book it for all day for two days, they split it up and it was only afternoons and it was four days. So same amount of time, but now for people, you know, if you expect them to sit in front of their computer, now they only have to spend three hours a day in front of their computer doing that. So then that eliminates the need for the breaks too, because then you don't need people to have to take a break for lunch. That mm -hmm. sort of thing. Well, speaking of lunch, um, it is 1230 central daylight time and we've Can we just do on one thing up. before we go, George? I could just, yes, what, I just want one thing. Um, have you guys, I, and I don't know the answer to this, I'm asking you live polls and other things that we have the capability to do trivia questions things to help people engaged have any of the clients we've worked with so far done that and what if anything did you know or feel about that like is that something because people ask me all the time you know oh my god even for three hours or people are going to be there and i know we can shoot polls and we can do trivia and we can kind of do games to help keep them engaged have we done that yet with any of the ones we've worked with so far? Yeah, one of them early on, we were doing polls quite often through the, through, uh, the show. Uh, I, was, I was amazed at how many, I was running audio for it, so I wasn't really on that side of things, but uh, they were just one poll after another, you know, and it was like, wow, they really, 
they're really, they're really working that in there. So yeah, they, you okay. can really keep engaged that way. Yeah, okay, I, I, I will, good. I'll pass off to the other folks about the trivia and all that. But I know that the, one of the first ones we did had a whole bunch of holes in it. Okay. All right. That's good um, for me. I just thank you to... everyone for attending. Uh, um, this will be available on the artofmarketingpodcast.com. Uh, so if you want to see, it'll be up early next week uh, as an episode. It will also show up later on in your podcast if you're a subscriber on iTunes or Google Play or any of that. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for listening to the Art of Marketing podcast from Applied Art and Technology. If you liked the episode, make sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a review so we can help more listeners connect with their customers. See the show notes for access to our free 88-page video idea book filled with ideas for your next production. And to learn more about our company, visit our site at AppliedArt.com.